Church Unlimited. What an honor to be with you guys. Thank you. Thank you. You are the wild crowd. And a big shout out to all our Church Unlimited locations. It, Pastor Bill, it really is emotional to me. I, um, I cannot express just how much my whole family, from my wife Amy all the way down to my six children, we love all of you guys, even though your sons are big enough to beat up 12 men right now. <laughs> But that's a whole other story. But it, uh, it really is emotional as I look back. You know, your pastor calls me his pastor, but he's one of my closest friends in ministry and probably my biggest um, support in prayer. Your pastor prays all the time and will call me very regularly and say, I'm devoting three hours just to pray for whatever you'd like me to pray for. That is unusual. I don't have anybody else like that. And one of the reasons this is so emotional to me is because I, I remember where we were sitting and several different conversations, but one out um, by a fire here in your town years ago, talking about what it would be like to plant a campus in Rodfield. And then a few years later, talking about what it would be like to go into Stone Oak and the greater San Antonio area. And those were just ideas. And your pastor really heard from God and took massive steps of faith. And now literally, you are seeing thousands of more people born into the kingdom of God because of the faith of your pastors. It's a massive honor to be here. Massive shout out to those of you at Rockport, Padre Island, Westside, Church Online, Broadcast, the wild crowd in the house. And uh, what you're doing in prisons is, uh, is, is incredible to uh, impact people's lives. Um, how many of you are thankful for a pastor who has the courage to speak on the book of Revelation? Okay, that is... Uh, a challenging subject, and next week, your pastor is going to be talking about what happens in the end of the world. We're talking about the four horsemen, the seven seals. This is the kind of stuff that might give you nightmares, so you want to be on the right side of the coin on this one. Your pastor is going to tell you all about it next week. My assignment um, is to speak to you. Your pastor said to pick one of the churches that Jesus wrote letters to in the book of Revelation. If you don't know, um, in the book of Revelation, Jesus wrote seven letters to seven churches. And I selected the one that has most impacted my personal life. We're gonna look today at the letter that Jesus wrote to a church of people in Laodicea that struggle with some of the same things I struggle with. Uh, a little bit of my story. Um, some of you, uh, how many of you were wild at one point in your life? Any of you um, good at sinning? Anybody good at sinning? How, how many of you know that sinning can be fun for a while? Right, yeah. If you don't raise your hand, either you're lying, you know, or you didn't do it right because it, it can be fun in, until it's not. And so, I was in college, you might say, building my testimony. I didn't have a testimony, but I was building one. And I, um, th my sin caught up with me and I, I started to become spiritually curious. And so I told my fraternity brothers, none of whom were Christians, that we were gonna start a Bible study. And they all said, the bleep we are. And I said, the bleep we are. And so I got together, we, we started with seven non-Christian guys that had a Bible study and we would read the Bible and then we'd pray. We didn't know how to pray. And so we would just pray, you know, God like protect us as we go out partying tonight, watch over us, God. And we pray that Mitch's girlfriend's not pregnant, oh God, you know, and we didn't know any better. We had no idea. And I got so excited reading the Bible that I started reading ahead, read all the way, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, I read all the way to Ephesians chapter two, and I started to read about the grace of Jesus 
in Ephesians chapter two that you could be saved by grace through faith in Jesus and not by works. And I didn't know enough to really maybe pray the proper salvation prayer, but I did know enough to kneel down and as best I could surrender my life to Jesus. What I can tell you it, with every bit of, of integrity and sincerity that when I knelt down, I was one person. And when I stood up, I was different. Who knows what I'm talking about? If you do give God a little bit of praise. The, the old was gone and I became new. I was on fire for Jesus in a very obnoxious and weird way. This was back in the day when they had like really cheesy Christian t-shirts instead of saying Coca-Cola is the real thing. Mine said, Jesus Christ, he's the real thing. I wore that shirt into the universe and I wore WWJD bracelets, you know, I wore little golden crosses. I'd preach to anybody. Uh, I, I, pray, I was on the tennis team at my university. I would pray before matches. I would kneel down and pray. I almost won no matches until I started praying. And then I won them all. Like, I think they were like going, God's with him. I can't beat that, you know? And I'd pray until one day I played a guy from Oral Roberts University. Anybody heard of Oral Roberts? I was praying and he was praying too. We had a prayer battle. He, he said to me, he, le he leaned over and he goes, I was, I'm gonna win because I was speaking in tongues. I've got more power. <laughs> I told him I got the translation and God said, you're going down, buddy. You're going down. And I was bold for Jesus, bold for Jesus. Until one day I wasn't. Until one day the newness of my faith became not so new and the passion of my salvation seemed to wane. And one day I woke up and I was playing the part on the outside, but I'd lost the fire on the inside. I don't know who this is gonna to speak to, but there may be someone that walked into church just like you have before, and you look like you had the excitement, but on the inside, your heart's been really, really far from God. This was the problem of the church, the believers in Laodicea, when Jesus wrote them a very, very challenging letter. If this message is very difficult, I've got good news for you. The real guy is gonna be back next week with a message of hope. <laughs> but this one might be a little bit challenging today. Let me tell you about Laodicea, and then we're gonna look at God's word and pray that it would really speak to some hearts in a significant way. Um, Laodicea was a very wealthy city. Um, they had been through some hard times because 35 years prior to Jesus writing this letter, they'd been hit by this massive earthquake and it kind of wiped out the town. If you can imagine a hurricane kind of crippling an island, that's kind of what happened um, in, in their case. And so they rebuilt the town, but they rebuilt it way better than ever before. They had these massive theaters, gigantic stadiums, these lavish public baths, believe it or not, these massive shopping centers, think of modern day Vegas or think of Dubai. It was, it was similar to that in their context. They did though have this one massive problem that plagued them all the time in their culture and that was they had a very inadequate water supply. What they would do is they created these, um, these aqueducts to pipe in water from other places. They would pipe in water, water from either Colossae or Hierapolis. 
which sounds like Heropolis, a place where superheroes would live, but that's a whole nother genre. And they would pipe water in from these places. Uh, the water from Colossae was cold, which was, would be very soothing and could be used for medicinal purposes. We know that cold can be important. The water from Heropolis was hot, which you know there's tons of reasons to use hot water. The problem is that both water, the cold and the hot, they had a purpose. But by the time they got to Laodicea, the water was no longer cold, it was no longer hot, it was tepid, it was dirty, it was what you might call lukewarm. When Jesus wrote the letter that was recorded in in, um, Revelation chapter three, this is what he said into the context of a group of believers who would know exactly what he was talking about when he described lukewarm. He said this, and maybe the Spirit of God might say this to some of you. He said, I know your deeds. In other words, not just what you say you believe, but how your internal beliefs impact the way that you live. I know your deeds. I see your fruit or your lack of fruit. I know your deeds, that you're neither cold nor you're hot. Jesus said, I wish you were either one or the other. So because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, Jesus said, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. In other words, I know you. You're spiritually stale. You're depressingly detached. And what you need to understand, Jesus was saying, this doesn't just break my heart, it turns my stomach so much so that I can't tolerate, I I wanna vomit, I wanna spit this out. Have you ever seen the bracelet WWJD? Anybody seen the bracelet? That stands for what would Jesus do? I think we might need to wear a bracelet called WWJUD. What would Jesus undo? What would Jesus undo? He would undo spiritual indifference, lukewarm faith, dirty souls, stale, tepid faith. What is it that tends to cause spiritual indifference in the lives of those who once were passionate for Jesus? I've identified at least two things that we'll cover today. The first we actually see in Revelation chapter three, the cause of spiritual um, indifference. Number one is what I would call the illusion of self-sufficiency. The illusion of self-sufficiency. Jesus said this to the believers in Laodicea. He said, you say I'm rich, I've acquired wealth, and I don't need a thing. In other words, You think you got it going on. You have all the things that you've been searching for in this world. And Jesus said, you don't realize that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. You say you're doing okay, but you're really not doing so well at all. And I don't know about you, but there are times when I can kind of look at life and go, I got it pretty good. I mean, you know, I can talk to Alexa, and order anything I want to be at my house by Amazon in two days. I'm good, got my coffee, got my Netflix, got a Snuggie. I don't wear the Snuggie for the record, but my (laughs) wife wears the Snuggie. One time I said to uh, my kids, they had their friends over, and they said, what are you gonna do tonight? I said, we're gonna watch Netflix and chill. That's before I knew what Netflix and chill was. (laughs) 
then Sam said, don't ever say that again. Well, now I know what it is. And we might just watch Netflix and chill, just saying, okay? <laughs> and just say it. I'm, I'm good. I'm, I, I got everything we need. And Jesus was essentially saying, you know, you've got worldly wealth, but you're spiritually bankrupt. You, your, your lives are full of stuff and activities, but you're missing the true spiritual meaning. What is it in my own life that leads to spiritual indifference? Well, one of the things is the illusion of, of self-sufficiency. I'm good, I got it all. The second thing, and this hits me all the time, is what we would call the distractions of this world. The distractions of the world. Jesus was giving basically a, a, a metaphor, a parable, telling a story about a sower that went out to sow some seeds. And, and some of them started to take root, Jesus said. But in Mark 4, 19, he said, at some point, the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. What happens so often in life? We, we have spiritual growth, but the worries of life, the distractions that come in, you know, you got bills to pay and kids to discipline and got to get them everywhere and all the stuff going on in life. And there's so many distractions, so much stuff going on. that suddenly just comes in and chokes out the spiritual life. I don't know about you, but on my way to church, I can be distracted by the things of this world and then find myself with my mind drifting and can't even focus. My prayer time can be that way. I'm an ADD prayer. Can anybody relate? God in heaven, I call on you by faith and I believe for a miracle. Butter, we're out of butter. We need butter, <laughs> bird, shiny thing. Oh, you know, and, 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 and I can be like that. So easily distracted. Why is it that we become spiritually indifferent? We think we're okay, we got it going on. And our, our faith is, is choked out by the distractions in this world. In fact, I would argue in so many places that one of the biggest problems is, in fact, kind of in Texas and where I live in Oklahoma, it's very common for us to get enough of Jesus to make us feel safe, feel secure, but not so much of him that it truly makes us different. Enough of Jesus to say, hey, I'm good. I got baptized when I was a kid or I got confirmed or whatever. I'm a member of such and such. I'm a, here's my denomination. I got enough of Jesus to make me feel safe, but not so much that it really changes the way I live every single day. And Jesus said, this doesn't just upset me. This, this turns my stomach. I can't stand this spiritual indifference. How do you know when you're living with lukewarm indifference? I made a short list just based on my pastoral experience, like your pastor. Um, we've done this for a long time. I'm, I'm approaching three decades of um, some form of pastoring. And based on my experience, I just put together a list of six things that I've noticed in the lives of people when they're living with spiritual indifference. What are they? Number one, we find ourselves more concerned with impressing people than we do with living for God. What, what do you think of me? Do, do, do you like me? Do you approve of me? Do you like the music I listen to, the car I drive? Do you like my shoes? Do you like, do you like my hairstyle? Hey, are we cool? Are we on the same page? But Timothy warned us in the end times that people would be lovers of themselves. And Jesus said, woe to you when all people speak well of you 
In other words, if we're so consumed with what people think, how in the world can we be focused on what God thinks? Number one, we're more concerned with, with pleasing and impressing people than we are living for God. Number two, we're obsessed with life on earth rather than eternity. We're consumed with what I have rather than what I'm called to do. It's all about the bling and the things and the gotta get and the gotta go and gotta do this and have the right house with the right countertops and the right type of car and the right type of vacation, the right kind of clothes, right kind of shoes, right kind of image, whatever it is. And scripture tells us this, that if we love the world, then the love of the Father is not in us. We find ourselves distracted, indifferent, obsessed with the things of this earth. Number three, we tend to rationalize sin and live without truly fearing God. I don't know about you, but I'll do this in my own life. I'm not as bad as everybody else. You know, I'm not hurting anyone. I mean, this is just my one little thing that I, I, I'm dealing with. You might, you might even rename sin, you know, instead of saying, you know, uh, it's uh, porn, people call it adult entertainment, you know, or instead of, you know, adultery, it's, it's an affair. Um, it's not that big of a deal. I'm not, I'm not really gossiping about her. I'm just telling you so you can pray about it. You know, you gotta be praying for her because <laughs> my God knows she needs that, you know. And we, we rationalize sin and we've truly lost our fear of a holy God. Number four, we believe in Jesus, but we rarely share our faith. We believe in him, but we're not really telling people about him. We're not bold. I mean, if we really, really believed that people without Christ spend eternity in a place the Bible calls hell, don't you think that we'd be more passionate telling people? I remember the time when your pastor with tears in his eyes, and I said, what do you wanna do the next 10 years of your life? What are you really passionate about? What, what is it that's driving your vision, your mission? And he said, he said, Pastor Craig, I wanna take as many people with me to heaven before I die. I said, that's your mission statement. That's it, that's it. And yet so often my life doesn't reflect that. Scripture says this, Jesus said, if you confess me before people, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. But if you don't confess me publicly, then I will not confess you before my Father in heaven. We believe in Jesus, but we rarely share our faith. Number five, we only turn to God when we need him. In other words, rather than seeking him daily, we seek him whenever he benefits us. He's, he's a tool in our toolbox that we pull out when we need him. He's not a God we fear and worship, but if we're in trouble, oh God, I need your help. And then when God comes through, thank you, God, put him back on the shelf and we go on with life. Number six, and to me, this is the most pressing. We know we're living with lukewarm indifference when we're really not that different from the world. We're pretty much like everybody else. In other words, we're entertained the same way. We watch the same movies, even if they're completely filthy and dishonoring to God, because why? They're funny. They're funny, it's funny, <laughs> it's funny. Not God, it was funny. Funny don't make wrong right. Okay. We, we're entertained by the same music. We spend our money the same way. Christians tend to get divorced just as much as non-Christians. We raise our kids essentially the same way, spend our money on the same types of things. In other words, we really aren't that much different from this world. Spiritual indifference. 
My story was I was so radically transformed by Jesus. I was lost and then I was found. I was dead and then I came to spiritual life. And there was no doubt about it. Then I became a pastor. And the sad thing is, pastoring became a job and my faith and my fire for Jesus turned more into a job than it was a calling. And here's what happened. I found myself like literally lying. People would come to me, hey, pastor, will you pray for this? Like, yeah, I'll, I'll pray for you. And then I knew I probably wasn't gonna pray. I would find myself studying the Bible to preach, but not studying the Bible to really feed on God's living word. At one time I remember standing up, I was about 27, 28 years old, and I went to pray before the church and I realized that was the first time all week long that I'd had any kind of real meaningful prayer. And it was only publicly. The passion had faded. I wasn't hot, I wasn't cold, I was just lukewarm. And the image that I really believe the Holy Spirit dropped in my soul, I'll never forget it and it, and it haunts me to this day, is that I had become a full-time pastor and a part-time follower of Christ. I don't know who this is speaking to, but there may be someone here who say, I'm kind of a full-time mom and a part-time follower of Christ. Or I'm working my brains off to get into grad school and I'm a full-time student, but I become a part-time follower of Christ. Or I'm, a, I'm trying to get my business off the ground. I'm a full-time business person and a part-time follower of Christ. And Jesus essentially said, this doesn't just grieve me, but I can't stomach that. You're lukewarm. Makes me want to vomit. How do you reignite that fire? The first thing is, and this isn't easy, but every now and then you have to acknowledge when the fire's grown dim. And there may be some today who might come to a point of just real spiritual repentance. That's a good thing. Even to where you're grieving it and saying, I'm, I'm sorry, I've been losing my passion, losing my first love. How do you reignite that spiritual fire? Pastor Bill, if I had taught this message 10 years ago, what I would have done now is I would have given a list and I put in my notes some of the things I would have said. You gotta get in the word. How many know getting in the word is, is powerful? I would have said you wanna spend time in prayer because you wanna connect with God the Father. I might have said you might wanna fast, you wanna deny yourself. I would say start sharing your faith. I would have said fellowship, get in, get in a small group where you can grow spiritually. I would have said give a sacrificial offering because that could build your faith. I would talk about worshiping. I would have told you turn from your sins and the list would have gone on and on and on. And that would have been good, the problem is, if I give you seven things to do, I found you do none. We're church people. We can't even do one thing at a time without messing things up. And I, I used to kind of give a list, but what I wanna do today is I wanna keep it really, 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 really simple because I believe the Spirit of God will speak to some of you in a really profound way. What's the one thing you can do that will really reignite that faith? And this is the one thing I would suggest, and that is this, very simply, Every single day, make it a goal, a prayer goal, a statement of faith. Every day, do something that requires faith. Every day, every day, at least one thing that pushes you out of your spiritual comfort zone and requires faith. 
This is how the revelation came to me. Um, Amy and I, my wife and I, we've been doing a journal, a five-year journal. I'm on year number five. I'm so thankful for this journal because I tried to journal like 10 times and could never journal until I got a five-year journal. It's only got five lines for, per day. I can do that. Oh, dear God, that's good news. And you can see year over year, whatever the journal is. So if, if, it's, if it's November the 12th, I can see what happened November the 12th last year, November the 12th the year before, the year before that. And about year three, what I recognize is I do pretty much the same thing every year. <laughs> I go to work, I study to preach, I lead meetings, I work out, I go home, I try to watch Netflix and every now and then chill. And all God's people said, amen. Okay. And my wife is not here for this service. Give me complete freedom in the word of God. Tomorrow will be much different. Okay. And I realized that I was essentially doing the same things living by comfort and not living by faith. I feel like the Holy Spirit just kind of prompted me, every single day, try to write something in your journal that you did today by faith. Something that took you out of your spiritual comfort zone and prompted you to trust in God. Here are some things that might require faith of you. You might have to stand up for something that's right at the place that you work, even though you know people are gonna make fun of you. That takes faith to do the right thing. You might apologize to someone that you hurt and try to mend a broken relationship, and that takes faith because you don't know where it's gonna go. You might volunteer to do something at Church Unlimited to use your gifts to make a difference. And you might feel a little bit insecure, like I don't know enough and I'm not good enough and I'm not holy enough, you know, but you'll have faith to say, if God is calling me, then he's gonna equip me to do it and that can stretch your faith. You might invite someone to church. If my pastor was preaching on what was happening at the end of the world next week, oh my goodness gracious, I'd be dragging a few people into the house of God who may need to be inspired and hear something about that. Can somebody say, amen, you might invite somebody to church next week. I know because I talked to your pastor that you've got um, the vision offering for 2020 coming up. I would begin praying right now and I might give a sacrificial gift because I happen to know that there is a need to build a new campus, a new building um, in Padre Island. Can anybody say thank God that we have an opportunity to grow there? I know that we wanna make some upgrades to the broadcast campus. I know that your um, impact in the prison world is unparalleled with God behind bars and we'd like to add some more campuses there. And who knows, as Stone Oak is growing one day, more land, more building more people in the greater San Antonio area. Somebody ought to give some praise to God for a vision for a church. You might wanna give a sacrificial offering as an act of faith. You might wanna pray for something that seems impossible. Before our service, we laid hands on somebody and prayed for supernatural healing, um, believing that God would do that. And that takes faith. Do something every single day that you can say, that took faith, because without faith, it's impossible to please God. The other day, um, I walked in on Amy. She is much more spiritual than I am. She prays a long time. Like her warm-ups prayers last longer than my whole prayer time. She like had breathing exercises and stuff, like get on with it, God's way. God's like, come on, come on. Anyway, she prays for a long time. And, and she was crying um, in her prayer time. 
I said, well, is everything okay? And she said, there's there just so many things that break my heart, so many people that are in need. And she was, she was agonizing in prayer. That takes you out of your comfort zone. And what I found is so often we tend to believe a lie, I believe from our spiritual enemy, that it's really easier not to care. It's really easier not to engage. It's really easier to be spiritually indifferent. But I believe with all my heart that it's better to hurt with a purpose than it is to live without one. It's better to hurt for people, be engaged on the front lines, care about the things that matter to the heart of God. Be someone that doesn't come to church late and leave early, but be someone who says, you know what? I'm not a spiritual consumer. I'm a spiritual contributor. I'm a part of the church of Jesus Christ and I exist to make this world better and bring people close to God. For those of you that are believers, yet you say, yes, I am a follower of Christ, but you find yourself maybe a little bit uncomfortable Maybe the Spirit's working in you because you maybe have a little bit of spiritual indifference. What do you do? Jesus said this to the believers in Laodicea in verse 19. He said, I correct and discipline everyone I love. I hope today if you're feeling conviction, you'll feel it as a loving conviction from a good God who wants the best for you, wants you to light with fire and passion for his causes and his purposes. And so this is what Jesus said, be diligent and turn from your indifference. It's that simple. Just be, be faithful and turn from it. Do something that requires faith. When you do something that requires faith every day, my promise to you is suddenly you'll be more concerned with what God is calling you to do then you will be with what people think about you. Suddenly, you'll be living for the things that last instead of investing in the temporary things that will burn up. All of a sudden, instead of rationalizing sin, you'll be confessing it to God and believing he's gonna cleanse you and purify you from all unrighteousness. You're suddenly, you're gonna be bold in the spirit. You're gonna be talking about your faith in the Jesus who's risen from the dead and transforms lives because of who he is. You, you won't turn to God when you need him, but you'll be walking daily, step by step in faith, depending on him in every single day. Why? Because you will be different from this world. You're a follower of Christ set apart. If you find yourself saying, I want that, but I don't have it. I, I, I'm, I haven't really been changed by his love or by his grace. Open up the door and let him in because here's what Jesus said in verse 20. He said to the wretched, poor, blind, naked, and pitiful people, he said, here I stand, here I am. I stand at the door, I'm knocking. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person. He's knocking, he's knocking, he's here. He cares for you. If you find yourself at all disturbed about your spiritual condition, I would say ask God to disturb you even more, that you would be disturbed out of your comfort zone into a life of faith. I'll close it out with this prayer. It's an old prayer, hundreds of years old by a guy named Sir Francis Drake. And he prayed this, he prayed, disturb us Lord, when we are too well pleased with ourselves, when our dreams have come true because we've dreamed too little, when we've arrived safely because we sailed too close to the shore. Disturb us Lord, 
With the, when with the abundance of things we possess, we've lost our thirst for the waters of life. Having fallen in love with life, we've ceased to dream of eternity. Disturb us. And Jesus says, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. Would you all pray with me? Father, we ask that you would move upon us to take a step of faith. Nobody looking around, those who'd say, I am a Christian, but I've grown a little bit lukewarm. I wanna live by faith. Would you lift your hands right now, just around the room, just lift your hands up, lift your hands up. God, I pray for every believer that by faith, they would step out and do something. Today, before, before their day ends, God, move them to reach out to someone to do something that takes faith. As your hands go down around the rest of the room, those who say, maybe, maybe I'm not in God's family, maybe I'm wretched, maybe I'm just pitiful, poor, spiritually bankrupt, but I recognize Jesus is knocking on the door of my heart. Who is Jesus? He is the sinless son of God who died in our place and rose again so that anyone, and this includes you, who calls on his name would be saved at all, all over this room and at every of our campuses, those who say, I want his grace. I turn from my sin. I turn toward Jesus today. I give my life to him. That's your prayer. Would you lift your hands high right now all over the room and say yes. Hands going up all over the place, people crying out on the name of Jesus. Could somebody give God some praise right now? And we're all gonna pray aloud together. Would you just, would you pray with those around you? Pray, Heavenly Father, forgive my sins. Jesus, save me and make me new. I open up the door, come into my life. My life belongs to you. Thank you for new life. I wanna follow you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Would somebody celebrate big, give God some glory today for new life in Christ.